Hey lovies, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, and we have stuff to talk about. But before we get started with this episode, I saw this post that I wanted to share, okay? And this one is specifically to our working mamas. Don't worry, stay-at-home mamas, I see you. Uh, Believe me, I know how hard it is day in and day out to be at home all day with your kids, um, to, to feel like the walls are closing in. I got it. But this one is for our working mamas. At the end of the episode, I will say something for you stay-at-home mamas, okay? Dear working mama, I admire you for your strength in adversity. I hope you know how strong you are for choosing to work and serve both inside and outside your family's circle. Never stop dreaming for the life you deserve, mama. And then it says, Dear working mama, People may have judged you for choosing to work. Or maybe it wasn't a choice. You just needed to do this for your family. You are always second guessing if you're doing enough for your work and your family. You may not win every bottle battle thrown your way, but you know you're in this for the long haul. Each step you take brings you closer to you and your family's goals and dreams. You model strength in adversity. You adapt. Never stop dreaming for the life you deserve mama. And so I thought that was nice because sometimes it does feel like (sighs) as a working mom, like you don't know if you're doing what's right or what's wrong. Or I know like for me, I have goals and dreams, right. And, and, and and I do things to take my family to the next level. Right. Um, whether that is like, well, yeah, work for one, advancing my career, helps, but then also advancing in new careers and new opportunities. And sometimes it feels like the time is never good enough. The other day I was on a meeting and um, so, you know, you guys know my scenarios that like a lot of people, I work from home most of the time and I was on a meeting and I had to finish up this meeting. And so I had prepped lunch for the kids and I had set it out and um, given the kids their lunch, and I was going to finish my meeting, put Elliot down for a nap. Well, while I'm doing this meet- meeting, Mia looks at me and says she doesn't like her lunch, but she's really, really hungry. And so I told her, okay, I'll get you, I'll make you something else. Um, can you go grab a snack? Because we do have a snack bin. I talked about the snack bin last episode. And so she goes and she like begrudgingly gets a snack, but she's also like crying because she's also like upset because she, I can tell she's hungry. And so I finished up my meeting. It was maybe like 20, 20 minutes she had to wait. And then I went on to make her um, something I knew she was going to eat. And then she ate it all up as soon as um, she was done and she was fine. But I felt really bad having to tell her to wait. And I, it wasn't like she had to wait because I was ill-prepared. No, I had prepped lunch. Lunch was ready. I served it to her, hopped on my call, was like, okay, you guys will eat. I'll just take care of this business for a little bit. Um, and it was such a, a moment of hard balance because I could have said, hey, guys, give me 10 minutes because her food only took 10 minutes. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Or, hey, guys, I'll be back in a few minutes. Um, take a break. But then I didn't want, like, managers were kind of on the call, and I didn't want it to be, like, work it, you know, my home life is, or my personal life, my family life is interfering with my work life. And then at the same time, here's my, my kid, 
who's telling me she's hungry and she doesn't like her lunch and she's crying. And I know some parents are hardcore. They're like, you eat what I serve you. But, um, I mean, if she didn't want to eat it, I mean, it's just like, you, you know, your kids, right? Like I, I thought she might eat it. She didn't. Um, Elliot did and he was fine. And so you live and you learn, but it is hard. I think that one of the biggest adjustments in motherhood, actually, as I think about like having a new baby is figuring out the time management and then figuring out multitasking. Um, Moms really being a mom does really level you up on some level. Um, It really does in a way that nothing else could (laughs) not to say that like those who choose not to have kids are not good multitaskers. But I do think that being a mom just makes you do it in a different way. And you even see it in your work life. If you go back to work, you're like, wow, I'm really good at this um, juggling thing. Um, Or maybe you feel like you're not. And it starts, I think, honestly, the minute that baby is born. Because like the minute that baby is born, you now are responsible for keeping you, yourself, like yourself and your baby alive or, or your other babies as well if you have multiple. And so you have to figure it out. I think that's one of the hardest transitions as a first time mom is you are met with challenges that you've never had before. And so I will say, and people have probably said this before, going transitioning from one to two is a little bit hard. It's really easy to transition. Not that it's easy, but I found you find that it's easier to transition from two to three and even like seamless by the time you get to three to four and subsequent um, babies. But for, and I think it's, it's hard kind of going from one to two and even going from none to one because you're not prepared for, there's like no way you can guess all the things that you have to walk into like as a mom. I feel like you have an idea, right? Like, I know I need diapers. I know I need wipes. I know babies wake up at night for feeding. I know that they need a baby bath because they're too little to take a big bath. Um, or we could bathe them in the sink. I know that they need socks so they're not cold and hats and swaddles. And as a first-time mom, you kind of get all of the fancy things, like the wipe warmer that you do not need and, like, the other things. Or you make the mistake of like tiptoeing around when your baby's asleep. And I've actually made this mistake with all of my kids, like kind of been quiet when the baby's asleep. Whereas if you're loud, you'll teach the baby to sleep through anything. I don't know. I think Elliot did sleep through, I mean, like, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, when he was asleep, I did try to have quiet time with Mia. I, I did, I did do that, um. I think it's different with like a newborn compared to a baby, like during nap time, like once your baby's on a schedule or is regularly taking a nap at certain times, like you get to the point where they have an AM and PM nap, like maybe they sleep at like 9.30 to 10.30 or 11 in the morning and then they go back down at one. Um, And like maybe during those times you try to be quiet, but it's like when you're a first time mom. And I remember having this challenge kind of happen. It's like all of a sudden, all of the things that you could kind of do, you have to time manage a lot better and figure out when to do it. Um, And honestly, that fourth trimester, that postpartum period 
isn't the time. You, that's survival mode, and then you can kind of try to figure it out. But it's like, um, okay, <laughs> I've had this baby. I need to feed myself at some point. I need to pump at some point. I need to feed the baby. <clears throat> I need to change the baby. Baby needs clothes washed. I need my clothes washed. These clothes have to be put away. I have to do dishes. I have to make dinner. Like all these things where before it's like, okay, before a baby, it's like, let me make dinner and eat. And like, I'll, I'll throw in a load of laundry and do dishes afterwards. But then when you have a baby, it's like, okay, I have to do this, but then they're going to want to eat. So I'm going to have to stop. A lot of times with newborns, I realize the frustration can become, um, especially if you don't bottle feed and you can't pass the baby off to like your partner or some like somebody who can help. It, the frustration can be like, I, I literally just fed you. I just laid you down and you're up again, ready to eat. And I haven't gotten anything done. And it, it definitely is an adjustment. Um, but I will say things that you struggle with the first time, you'll struggle with the second time, you'll struggle with the third time, even like relearning. Like, so for me going into my third, my third baby, right? Like, I kind of, and I'm going to the same hospital. I know the layout. I know how to get there. I know where to park. I know where to go. I know the routine. I know what's going to happen as soon as I walk through the door. Like, I know all these things. Um, the difference between Mia and Elliot is with Mia, because my water had broken and I was at the doctor's and they, like, confirmed my water had broken, I kind of skipped the triage. It's not really, I don't even know if it's really triage, but like when you first get admitted to the hospital, they kind of do like check you out. I skipped all of that because my water was broken and the doctor called ahead and was like, she's come, <clears throat> she's coming in. So when I got there, they took me straight to my room. Like they had, that had everything prepped. Um, with Elliot, I had an induction, but I still had like a check-in process where like they weighed me and took my blood pressure and did like all these things that they didn't do with Mia. And I thought it was weird. I mean, I don't know, like fine, check my weight. I mean, it's not weird to check blood pressure because hypertension is really, really dangerous. Um, and oh, oh, but going into my third baby, there's still things I have to like refresh up on like freshen up on and like remember like pumping for instance I did not pump with Elliot I did not honestly I maybe pumped like four times and I was like this is for the birds and I stopped pumping because I was you know it was the pandemic I wasn't going anywhere my office was closed for the foreseeable future I wasn't gonna leave him and I was so focused on exclusive breastfeeding I was like we're we're going to pump in case I have to leave. But he never took a bottle. He didn't know how to drink a bottle. It, I have to look for videos. It's just so funny him like trying to figure out how to drink a bottle. And he didn't take a pacifier either. He was a boob baby, which is why he's still up my butt. But I think that there is like a bonding thing. Obviously, like when they're exclusively breastfed. But then also, I don't know, because Mia's a girl and, like, Elliot's a boy. And, you know, how boys and their mamas, it's, like, different. Like, Mia's my home girl, but Elliot's my boy. And you just, I don't know. But I forgot I was going to go. Oh, so I need to, like, try to look for a good routine and figure out between breastfeeding, pumping, and also um, breastfeeding, pumping, 
and feeding the baby. But I also think I could get away with pumping twice a day and that be all that I do because I'm not leaving this baby for long periods of time. And in the beginning, you make so much milk anyway that if like, like, so I have like, so that way I have a good freezer stash. Let's say the baby's only going to take four bottles while I'm at work. I think if I start ahead of the game, I'll, I'll be ahead of the game, if that makes sense. And then eventually I'll start giving him, I have to figure that out. That's what I haven't figured out because I did not successfully exclusively breastfeed Mia because of work. And so my anxiety is a little bit like, how am I going to do this? But at the same time, I think it'll end up being fine. Because I only go into the office once a week. Like literally the only time I leave this baby, I'll, I'll leave this baby for the first year of life will be when I go into the office once a week. And so that's the only time baby needs to take a bottle, you know, multiple times a day. And all of that. And I'm not above seeing if my grandma will watch the baby and going to feed the baby one of the times during the day and kind of like flexing out of my job and doing that. I might actually do that. I'm, I'm not sure. But the plan is that once baby is about six weeks old to, to introduce pacifier and bottle um, and even to kind of feel it out then, it depends on how good he is at nursing and I mean it's like it's a give and take like not that Mia was bad at nursing I think I was just new to it and I don't know I mean I did it successfully until Mia was two so I guess it wasn't like I didn't breastfeed her it's just that I didn't only breastfeed her and that's the thing it's like you get shamed if you do shamed if you don't and it is easier when you're at home all day to, to, to do it. It is hard to, to pump. And also your pump output has not that has nothing to do with your milk supply, but it doesn't accurately reflect your milk supply. And my concern is the baby preferring the bottle. And that can happen because bottles are like more instant, like breastfeeding. It takes more work for baby to eat, but they'll do it if that's how they eat. And so I am like trying to figure it out and I'm not really sure that's the biggest thing I'm worried about in terms of like bringing baby home um but again for those first like six weeks I really don't want to think about bottle and then I'm gonna have to work hard to get him to take one um they're also not really I feel like I don't understand how bottle feeding works because they're not really on a, a schedule yet like, I guess with bottle-fed, like, formula-fed babies, you just put them on a schedule. I don't know how that works. Um, I don't know how that works. Because, like, with breastfed babies, I did read breastfed babies eat more frequently. And then also, like, you kind of just feed them when they're hungry. Like, you just feed them, you see hunger cues, and you feed them. And it's like, it might be in an hour, it might be in 30 minutes, it might be in two hours, it might be, you know, it just depends 
on the um experience okay so this is christian mom uncensored i'm gonna be uncensored and i'm gonna do it and i might lose listeners and i might lose followers and i don't even have that many followers but i might lose people because of this but i think it's important and i think it's a good conversation to have and i'm gonna have it so a lot of times in the areas that I struggle with the church, I think a lot of people who are not Christian struggle with the church, is the judgmental, the judgment, the judgmentals, guys, pregnancy, the judgment and ridicule and like holier than thou attitude that can come from other believers or Christians. And I just am so confused on who put those people in charge. I mean, like, I don't remember voting for my pastor. <laughs> and I, maybe that's like a weird thing to say. And I do believe that, like, I guess it's like, ugh, the structure of church is bizarre. It's like weird to me. Like it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense in a way. Um, and actually, this is not me going after any pastor before I go there, because I actually don't have a pastor to go after right now. Um, all the pastors that I know are cool in my book for now, like the ones that I listen to and follow um our cool peeps but I will say that I just found out that people are canceling Miss Rachel and if you are a mom or an early child educator or you know about kids you probably know who Miss Rachel is she does songs for littles she is amazing Because she had a child who had like a speech delay and started working with her son through songs, through sounds, and put out these YouTube videos. These YouTube videos blow up amongst the mom community and there are different like other singers in her YouTube channel. One person on her YouTube channel is named Jules and um, Jules prefers to be referenced or called by the pronouns they them because Jules decided to go by the pronouns they them to identify using they them Christians are backing out from Miss Rachel and then I did see that she said she was taking a break from TikTok for her mental health not Jules Miss Rachel and I was like Miss Rachel you know that half of the moms on this globe are gonna come are gonna come for you not come for you but like come to your defense like we got you And here is what I have to say about some of the harder topics in Christianity that nobody wants to address. Some of the areas that divide Christians, right? Politics does it. I've seen it happen in church. We don't like to bring politics to church, but it's made it's creeped its way in. Um, Not in every church, but in some. We... um, the LGBTQIA community, that tends to be a dividing factor. Um, belief on, like, the Sabbath is a dividing factor. And I feel like it is unfortunate that those things can bring division amongst people. And here's what I'll say. Everyone has their own kind of faith walk journey, like... If you are somebody who has a relationship with God or you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you are 
learning and diving into God's truth and God's word. Everyone learns things and learns different things through that. However, how is it that not the first thing you don't learn is love, right? Because Jesus hung out with sinners. He didn't hang out with the saints. So I don't know who, and also who is to say what is a sin? And I feel like, you know, there's very clear sins right now. And then there's things that I also have to say that regardless on if they are sinful or not, yeah, I'm going there. Regardless, regardless, are you first not supposed to love? He who is without sin cast the first stone. None of us could cast a stone. So why is it that who made, I just, I just get mad when people want to like preach like, oh, this is bad or like, I don't like these types of people or like whatever. It's like, if the only types of people I don't like are mean people, um, people that actually hurt any other human being, animal, or cre- living creature on this planet or the planet itself. Like, I don't like those people. And I don't like racists. Like, those are the types of people I don't like. Other than that, if you are not hurting anyone else, in like nine times out of ten, living your life to be in who you are and doing you, does not affect me. You know what affects me? It affects me when my driver's side window won't go down and I can't hit a Starbucks drive through That affects me. That affects me because then I have to bring both my kids into Starbucks and that's a lot of work. That affects me. How you dress, how you identify, what you, who you go to sleep with at night and who you, you know, believe in and like what you do does not affect me. I feel like We all get so entitled or a lot of people get entitled when it's like, if you thought, and here's my question for people who judge people or like that they don't agree with, like, let's say you don't agree with someone and there's a difference between like, I don't agree with you because you are murdering puppies. Like, well, go ahead, crucify that guy. Nobody likes that guy. I don't like that guy. Well, it's different when it's like an actual bad person doing an actual harmful, hateful, mean act. That's different. But let's say that, you know, you have, you and I have a difference of opinion about which day of the week we should go to church. Saturday or Sunday. At the end of the day, at least we're both going to church. And at the end of the day, I don't have to live with the decision if you're wrong. Like, I don't think it matters. Also, also, let's say that you really have a calling on your heart. Like, you feel like, and this is just like, I'm saying feel because like, I feel like a lot of people have a lot of feelings. You feel like this is wrong or like people should really pursue this and like this is the way to do something. How is telling someone they are bad, they are wrong, they shouldn't do that going to bring them in? That's going to shut them down. So I also get super confused when people are like, change your ways, turn back. You're so evil. And it's like, 
So you're mad because Jonathan and Jonathan got married and had a baby. You think that yelling at Jonathan and Jonathan and their baby is going to make Jonathan and Jonathan and their baby come to church? I don't think that's going to help the situation. And also, God, Jesus wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're a tax collector. I roll. You are literal trash. What? Like, Jesus was like, hmm, let's see how we could do things differently here. And I feel like it is definitely hard when you have strong convictions and strong faith. And even, like, people who are like, I can't be friends with you because you voted for this person. That's real mature. Like, that's so mature. Like, if your whole identity is a political party, first of all, I don't want to be your friend because that's annoying. Like, don't you have a personality outside of politics? Also, second of all, what you do and how you behave, like, I'm sure you have your reasons for, like, if you're my friend and you're in my circle of people that I, that I like, I hang out with, then I know you're a good person because I don't hang out with with weirdos, okay, I don't, well, they are weird, but they are not bad people, I only hang out with good people, and two, this good person could decide to do a different parenting style than me, and I wouldn't be like, oh, wow, you let your kid stay up till midnight, like, Elliot went to sleep at 10 o'clock last night, 10 o'clock, do you know how I was like, this is so late, do you know why he went to sleep at 10 o'clock, I don't know, I don't know why, he was just up, I tried for like an hour and a half to put him to sleep, he was not, having it and I was not having it and I had to take the glucose test it was a whole situation but eventually he went to sleep and I also I'm stubborn Ethan's like let me take him downstairs I'll put him in the basement I'll rock him to sleep and I'm like no 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 he needs to know that when it's bedtime we lay down and go to bed I don't want to change the routine and he's like we can change the routine this one night you need to rest and I'm crazy and I was like no anyway so my PSA is that like When somebody fails a math test, do you think pointing and laughing at them and calling them dumb is going to help them get any better at math? No. If you were walking out of a grocery store and an older lady, maybe not even older, just a regular lady, is carrying three bags and she trips and falls, Are you going to say, hmm, shouldn't have been walking so fast. Just keep walking. Like, you are the piece of trash in that case. Like, pointing at people and judging people. My philosophy, and I'm not saying everyone has to have this philosophy. Because I get it. We do have beliefs and things. But I just get sick of seeing people bring down other people. And try to preach to other people. But it's like, you are not God. Like, I'm sorry. And I know that God uses us, like, to bring people in and to bring people to Christ. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Like, I like when people share the gospel. I don't like when people, like, hurt other people. Okay? Like, let's get that straight. I believe in evangelism. I believe in going out. And, and I believe in Jesus. And, like, I will talk about Jesus all the time. Like, to strangers, I'm like, you know, I was at, when I was doing my glucose test, I had my Bible up, I was reading this verse, and I was reading this chapter, and my phlebotomist goes, what are you reading? And I told her what I was reading, and she said, I'm going to read it, we'll talk about it next hour. And she walked away. I'm not ashamed to be a Christian, like, that's, a, that's first of all, 
I thought that was the sweetest thing ever that like that happened. But anyway, long story short, I don't want to say what happened, but a situation happened with someone that I love. And because of how they identify, they were, um, they had some like trouble dealing with the situation because of how they identify. And my, my thought process was like, what does that have to do with anything? You know what I mean? Like if my mission as a Christian is to serve God, to love others, to take care of those who are less fortunate than me and to bring people in to, to Jesus, why would I ever look down on anyone else? Like I'm just a struggling mom out here. Anyway, I'm done preaching. Back to mommy. I saw a post about how um, there's this one girl who's studying like all the reasons why you shouldn't have kids on TikTok. This other mom post like stitched it and was talking about how like the lo- like the love you have for your ch- child or your children is so deep, and it really is. It is like the deepest love. And she was talking about like how I just dropped my child off for daycare at the first time, and. I can relate, like, the first time that Mia went to daycare, I actually knew for my mental sanity that I couldn't take her, and I'm going to tell you that I talked a lot about Ethan last episode, but when it comes to me as a mom, he's got my back 110%, and he's got my mental 110%, like, he's going to look out, so yeah, I knew it was hard for him to drop her off too, and she would cry, but he knew that that would break me because I didn't even want to go to work. And so I was going to just quit my job and we were going to be poor and live in a hut if I had to drop her off. And so he always, I never dropped her off. The only time I dropped her off, this is what was ironic. I dropped her off on days that Mia, so when Mia was little, she used to go to my grandmother's twice a week. And then we went, she went to her daycare three times a week, which is like a family friend had a daycare. Um, like a friend of the family. Um, I don't want to say that because that's like that weird show on Peacock about um, Robert Birdstall or whatever his name is. But I remember, I, I think that it was really great how Ethan could support me in that way of, you know what, I'll drop her off on those days. And you just get up and get out the door and go. And then pick her up. Um, and... It is like a biological need to be near your child that unfortunately our society hasn't fostered in a way that allows mamas to work and then also be near their child. And there can be like a good mix. Like I would say I have a good mix. I mean, I have a great mix where it's like I am mostly with my kids. Now, now there was years with Mia that I wasn't. And honestly, what you can expect to hear in the future is me talking about preschool um, and talking about preschool graduation and then talking about kindergarten and how hard that transition is going to be to me. But I will say that God has given me gifts in ways that are unforeseen. And so like the gift that I got this year is of course our baby boy. Um, We have named him. I will tell you his name once he is arrived. I'm doing a Kylie Jenner. Um, 
or once he has arrived, let me speak proper English, but the gift that God gave me this year, aside from obviously the, the amazing miracle of our son, is he gave me a summer with no work to be with Mia and Elliot. Next year, Elliot goes to preschool. Mia, he's only going twice a week, half a day. So it's not that dramatic, but Elliot does go to preschool. Mia goes to kindergarten. But before I enter the phase of life where she's gone every day from like nine to three, that's a long day. Before those hours are gone, I get to spend every hour with her. And I think that's such a special gift to have before she goes. It does make it a little harder, you know, but these, the, the years, the time really does go by so quickly. Um, and I will say, I've said it before, this year Mia goes to school five days a week, half day, um, because I do feel like I need her at home the other half of the day. Like, you're going to be away from me for the next, however, like, 12, 13 years of school all day, every day. Like, you don't need to do that at preschool. Like, that's fine. But um, I will say that the everyday preschool, especially for, I think, a four-year-old and even a three-year-old, is beneficial. I was, so Mia did three two-day threes. Um, so she did not go to preschool when she was two. It was a pandemic. When she was three, she went to preschool three days a week, half a day. No, no, no. Two days a week, half a day. I think that two days a week is fine for a two-year-old. But I would say that socially, she developed so much more this year, going to school every day and having that daily structure and having her time to be away, having her time to be independent. Um, And it's really great because I love her preschool. They did a great job of like telling us as parents in the beginning, like, let your child try to learn how to do these things. Because when they're at school, I don't have time to zip up, you know, 15 jackets. If we're trying to go play outside, we're only here for half a day. So if they can zip up their own jacket, we can get outside. and They could be outside longer. When they get to kindergarten, there's not going to be someone to zip up their jacket. Now, obviously, if something like, you know, like if, if they get stuck or, you know, the teacher will help. It's not like the the teacher's like you're on your own. But if your kid can be independent in preschool, they'll be ready, more so ready for kindergarten. Um, so I am looking into summer camp for Mia <laughs> as much as I'm like, I get to spend every hour with her. Um, no, I do like the structure that school has. I hate that when there's summer breaks, some of that structure is gone. <laughs> and so, and I'm going to have just had a baby and we're going to be doing our new normal. So I am looking into summer camp for her. I, I'm only looking at it through her school right now and it's probably full. So she probably won't go, but, um, I am looking for ways to fill her summer with activities and like sports and things, but they grow up really fast and I'm going to pull like a baby at her preschool graduation because it, as much as people make fun of parents who are like, it's just preschool. You got so many years of school to go. It is an end of an era, like graduating preschool. You are no longer like a baby kid. You're like an actual kid now. You know what I mean? Like the next year she could be losing her first teeth. I think that happens around first grade more so than kindergarten. But, you know, 
five, six years old, you start losing your teeth. Like you are getting adult teeth, like you're growing. Um, and she's the funniest, sweetest, smartest little girl. She's the best big sister. And I can't wait to celebrate her um, in May when she graduates. And then again in July for her birthday. Okay, I have to talk about something that's just so mom. I've never felt more like an adult or a third-year-old than, than now. And, and here's what it is. I, my dad texted me the other day and was like, hey, so here's the, here's the backstory. In 2021, Christmas of 2021, my dad and my mom got me an air fryer for Christmas. And I never had an air fryer. And if you know me, my air fryer is used more than anything in my house. I make my toast in the air fryer. I have made eggs in the air fryer. I do that like about once a week. I cook every protein for dinner in the air fryer. I cook macaroni and cheese in the air fryer. Obviously chicken nuggets. Obviously like anything that's frozen can go in the air fryer. I, I use this air fryer religiously. My dad texted me the other day and was like, hey, that air fryer we got you for Christmas has been recalled. And I was like, what? Do you know how much I use this air fryer? And it's been recalled? Like, what is the problem? So then I'm like, it better not be like the metal is poisonous or toxic or something crazy because we've literally consumed the air fryer. And it turns out that there's like a sh something with the wires or something that is starting fires. And um, I was just like, what? So now I'm buying a new air fryer. But here is I'm buying this air fryer. This is the... <laughs> This is the 30-year-old in me. The air fryer matches my new dishware, my new silverware, and my new Apple Watch. I don't, I didn't buy all those things yet. I'm not rich, but I'm going to be buying them um, in a week or so, like, but those things, but they all match each other. And Ethan is like, why does your Apple Watch have to match your air fryer? And I was like, why can't it? <laughs> anyway, so that's the whole situation. And then the other thing that makes me feel like adult is having house projects. Like, when I was younger, and even, like, a couple years ago when we lived in our apartment, I never had a house project before. Like, if something is broken, you call the maintenance. And even now, we have a landlord. If something was broken, we would call the landlord. But there's still things around the house. Like, we have a little bit of freedom with our house and what we do. Like, they're not rigid with us. They're like, yeah, if it's cool, like, do it. Like, yay, whatever. It's your house. You know, whatever. So, we have these projects to do and I feel like such an adult for like I'm gonna stain my dining table and I gotta go buy these new dining chairs and like I'm gonna paint my dresser oh yeah we're gonna put the gazebo up in the backyard I feel like such an adult saying those things <laughs> like I've never felt like more like an adult until I was like I have house projects like oh yeah um we're gonna change our toilet seat covers because like, these ones are gonna be pretty and like black and like whatever like who is changing not toilet seat covers like the lid like the toilet seat like like the the part that goes up and down that like if the guys have to go they put it up yeah changing that whole thing out um and I'm like cleaning my shower head with vinegar and I'm like part of it's nesting part of it's spring cleaning but it makes me feel like a grown-up and right now I'm staring at laundry which makes me feel annoyed. I'm not gonna clean it right now. Let me tell you about the glucose test real fast. So I took the glucose test and 
I, I was researching and researching and researching on what to do to pass it. And also more so than how to pass it, like how to keep the drink down because I went to the doctor on Monday and, um, or on Tuesday and I asked her like, Hey, if I can't keep this drink down, what are my other options? Like, what can I do? And she said, well, if you cannot keep the drink down, we're going to treat you as if you have gestational diabetes. Um, so at that point I was like, Hmm, I don't want to be treated if I don't have to be. Um, on the other hand, if I, if I do have gestational diabetes, of course, like treat me, whatever, it's annoying, but like, I'll do what I have to do. And so then I was researching all these things and flavors and I don't want to scare anyone who hasn't done this test yet, but it's literally hell. Um, and I, so I took the one hour glucose, I did the orange drink and then I did the, 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 I tried to do the three hour, I drank lime because I thought like lemon lime, like I love that flavor, like it was so bad. I threw up within the first 40 minutes of the test. And so when I did it, the three hour this morning, I really was just like, I need to not throw up. So what I did last night was you have to fast nine hours before the the test. Some people say 16, some people say 12, some people say like, I don't know, but anyway, my instructions were nine hours before the test. And so I ate dinner. We, I had spaghetti, like I said, I was going to do. And I, and because I felt like, like I've said before, when I was a cheerleader and then also every athlete, like before a big game, you eat spaghetti, right? Like you kind of carbo load, which may backfire on me. I'll keep you posted. But I didn't eat like a crazy amount of pasta. I ate more sauce and meat than I did pasta. I mean, like, well, it was a good mix. Anyway, so I ate spaghetti. Um, and then it was like, so like my test was at 9 a.m., so at 11 p.m., I ate, like, some string cheese. I had, like, a glass of milk. I had, like, weird things. So I was like, let me not start off completely empty going into this test. Well, so my plan was to just, like, sleep as much as possible. Because I noticed that, like, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm hungry. I mean, come on, I'm in my third trimester. Give me a break. I never eat because, like, that's a process. Elliot's in bed with me. I am not going downstairs to figure out a snack. I am just going to be hungry and I'm going to lay in bed and be mad that I'm hungry. I'm going to drink some water. I'm going to try to go to sleep. And so I really wanted to sleep really well. Well, Elliot didn't go to sleep until 10 o'clock last night because he was being Elliot. Um, I don't know why. He took a normal nap from what I heard, from what Ethan told me. I was in the office, so I wasn't, like, the one at home doing the day. And so, oh, sorry. He was, like, a nightmare to go to bed. And then in the middle of the night, he just couldn't get comfortable. And I wasn't sure if he was, like, hungry, if he was, like, sleepy, or, like, what his problem was. But anyway, he just was not going to bed. He was not having it. And so I wrestled with him for some more. And I was really frustrated because in the middle of the night, I was trying to stay asleep so that I wouldn't wake up and then, like, start to feel hungry. And I wrestled him for, like, an hour. It was, like, from 2 to 3 a.m. And then my plan was to sleep in to, like, 
15, 7.30. I knew I had to get to the doctor's by 9. I knew I had to stop and get gas because I was getting low on gas. And so I was going to leave my house at like 8.15. So if I got up by 7.15, 7.30, that would give me enough time to make sure like Mia had her clothes out for school and her snack was packed and like her stuff was ready for school and I could just get myself ready and leave and not even deal with breakfast. I told Ethan, you give them breakfast. I don't want to smell breakfast. I don't want to have any chance of getting more hungry. And so did all of that. Now you are allowed to drink water until your test. And then they allow you to have like little sips, like every hour you can have like a sip of water. It's really torture. So I get there and um, I'm going to do my test. And I saw my phlebotomist and she was like, Last week when I saw her, she was like, come on a Wednesday. This doctor is not in on the Wednesday. Um, he, he has the best rooms, and he really does because his rooms have a bathroom in there. And you can just sit back and lay back. And so I've been praying and praying and praying and after church on Sunday and all this stuff. Like, God, help me to pass this test. But, like, my first prayer is to help me to get through this test, and my second prayer is to help me pass it. And so I got – I was researching – And I was kind of panicking last night. And Ethan was like, stop looking up symptoms. Stop looking up how to do this test. Like, just do your best and all this other stuff. But I was, like, trying to figure out. And I decided, okay, people are saying the fruit punch flavor isn't isn't bad. Well, I go to get my blood drawn in to get the drink. And I decided to go with the orange flavor. And I chose the orange flavor because... When you do the one-hour glucose, it's like half the sugar as the three-hour. But I drank the orange flavor. And even though it was kind of gross, I didn't throw up that day. Um, You know, I I just handled the one-hour and went. And so I went ahead and I I picked orange. And she, my, my, um, the phlebotomist was like, do not rush to drink this. Drink it. And then once you're finished, write down the time and I'm going to come back in and I'll, I'll check on you. So she put me in a room. Um, I turned out the lights. I took off my jacket cause I was going to be hot. I put on my headphones. I'm listening to a podcast and I drank the drink and, um, it was nine seventeen, And so she was going to come back 10, 17, 11, 17, 12, 17 to take my blood. And I just had to get through the thing. And so I'm listening to this podcast and I'm feeling okay, and then I check, like, I, I keep checking the time, because I'm just thinking, like, if I could just get to ten seventeen, I would have survived the first hour, and then it would be that much easier to work. It gets to be, like, ten oh seven or, like, ten oh six. Like, it's getting close to ten seventeen. And I start to get hot and I start to get nauseous. And so I don't want to throw up all over the floor. And I don't want to throw up at all. And I'm starting to get emotional because I'm like, I feel like I'm actually about to throw up. Like that watery feeling. Like I'm hot, like in your mouth and everything. My eyes are tearing up. I go into the bathroom and I take a deep breath. I take a couple deep breaths. And I'm like looking at the toilet and I'm looking at the sink. And I'm like, no, we just have to get through literally 10 minutes and you'll be down your first hour. And so I took paper towels and I wet them. They were cold and I put them on my forehead and the back of my neck. And I laid back down 
and then I got through. And that was the most nauseous I felt was right then. And so um, she comes back in, takes my blood. I'm still feeling a little bit nauseous. So I'm laying down listening to the podcast. And then I get hot again and I kind of like get a new paper towel, cold water, put it back on my neck. And I really think that helped a lot. She's like, have a little sip of water. So she took my blood and then she was like, okay, now you can have a little sip. So I had a sip of water and I think like that's, and I, I brought with me like ice cold water. So I had like a, a, a tumbler with ice and water. And so I took a sip of water and I just, I did it. Anyway, long story short is I made it through, I think having my water with me that was ice ice cold because the first time I had like a bottle of water in case they let me drink um and they were like you can have like a little sip so but it was like room temperature and that didn't help but like having a sip of like ice cold water and then having paper towel so even if like you have to go into an office and do it and like not be in a private room if you have one of those cooling snap towels that you take to like Florida or like in the summer, if you're like a runner and if you start to feel sick, go into the bathroom and put that on your neck. It's a game changer because it that it just brings your temperature down. And I realized I hadn't been really thought hard about my birth plan except for like it has to be vaginal. <laughs> when a vaginal birth, I want a yoga ball. Um, when I want to go to sleep, I want a peanut ball while I'm trying to rest. If I ever rest, I am not against an epidural, but I'm going to work really hard not to get one. I know that I could do a lot more research to prevent one, but I'm just kind of, we are bringing this baby into the world. Um, low stress. And so I, but now I realized I want to make sure like I have a, two of those cooling towels and like the hospital gives you a lot of stuff cold compresses you can have popsicles I'm gonna want those things because when I went through a transition with Mia I was just throwing up and throwing up and I was hot and I know that like transition for me is I typically get really hot but with Elliot transition was so fast I didn't even get nauseous or throw up I just was shaking like I was I was just like shaking um but if I do get nauseous, those towels help. And like ice, I think having something ice cold helps. So yay, the first hurdle is done. I got through the test. Oh, but here's something that's never happened to me. So I've had to take the three hour, the three hour glucose test like six times in my whole pregnancies, in my three pregnancies. So I took it once with Mia. Okay. Five times, twice with Elliot and now twice with this baby. And afterwards I'm used to like having a headache and I was like like I'm trying to flush the sugar out my system right so I'm like drinking a lot of water and so then yesterday preparing for the test I was like drinking a gallon of water because I was like let me like really hydrate and like because my body's about to get so much sugar I don't even eat sugar like that like it's going to be such a shock to my system I was like concerned but I forgot where I was going with this oh so I did the test, right? By time it was, she drew my blood. By time it was 1045, I was like, okay, I got this. And so I really survived after that. So after it was 1045, like I was like, okay, I switched from listening to podcasts. I felt well enough to like watch a show. I'm watching TV on my phone. 
I'm like, okay, this is going to go by quickly. The last two hours went by quickly because I was watching TV. And I afterwards went to go pick up some food um, and then head home. And so by the time I got home, it was 1.01 p.m. when I pulled into my driveway. And I sat down and I ate. Ethan was upstairs putting Elliot to sleep. Mia was in the living room hanging out and... She kind of ate with me. She was like, Mom, I want a peanut butter and jelly. So I made her a peanut butter and jelly, even though she already had lunch. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Um, everything sounded good to me at that time. Like, I could have eaten anything because I was starving from fasting. <sighs> even though I was eating, I got so shaky and, like, freezing cold. Like, I got cold. Like, first I was, like, kind of, like, sweating in the car. Like, I had a scarf on. I wasn't wearing my jacket. I had to, like, throw my scarf off, and I had the windows down, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's, like, such a nice day. I'm so hot. Um, and then I was cold, and then I was, like, shaking, like, 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 shivering, kind of, like, like, shaky. And I told Ethan, I was like, I'm so shaky. Like, what is this? Is this a sugar crash? Like, am I actually, like, diabetic? Like, is this, this is scary. Um, and anyway, it's probably because my sugar crashed. And so then I ate. And even after I ate, I thought I'd feel better. Not right away. I was still really shaky. So I ended up laying down for about an hour and a half after that. And now you can tell I feel fine. Um. I ate dinner and everything and I feel fine but that was just like that was like bizarre and I was like there's got to be a better way to do this glucose test like this is insane let me take my blood for three weeks like before you need my results be like I don't know anyway this is the reason why I could not be a surrogate because it's really miserable (laughs) and the reason why I say I can't be a surrogate is because earlier in my life I considered like after I had was done having my kids that if I was a healthy pregnant woman that I would have I would look into surrogacy for other people I'm really sad to say that that is not my life calling I will help people in another way um because I do think that my body's tired of being pregnant and I'm little I mean when I say I'm little like I'm short like I'm petite so that's the other thing and then baby's only three pounds so we need him to gain three more pounds before delivery we have technically we do have eight more weeks till my due date but you know Elliot came a week early this is my third baby I'm just like maybe we only have six more weeks so like let's be ready in six weeks so let's fatten this baby up But other than that, I feel like I look good and I feel good. I mean, I look, like, from the front, very pregnant. From the back, you can't tell. It's really funny. I'll do a TikTok. Anyway, that's that's the update for now. (laughs) Moving on. So spring and summer are upon us. We are going to change our clocks of March 12th, which means that we almost made it, guys. We almost made it out of winter. Um, and since we're coming out of winter, this is just a reminder to sign your kids up for sports and camps right now. A lot of places have deadlines that are this month. Um, also, since I'm not traveling this year, this summer that much, I can go ahead and give you my biggest tip. It's like book by March. Um, I actually like to book my vacations in 
like January or February for the summer. But if you haven't, like now is the time to do so before everything is sold out and overpriced. My favorite summer tips are like, don't travel the 4th of July. I know it's a great time to travel because it's a three-day weekend for most people. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on locally with the 4th of July. Like you can probably see fireworks anywhere in your hometown. Um, and it is a great time to just do family time. If you're busy, if your spouse is busy, if you're working a lot, um, it beats having to deal with traffic. Um, and you know, I know lots of people travel on the 4th of July. My favorite thing to do on the 4th of July is honestly to be home. I love it when Ethan grills me and our guest, our best guy friend, Jordan. You guys know Uncle Jordan. He comes over, we'll go pick up some drinks. Um, actually, last 4th of July, we had like a really great 4th of July. It started out where we like went to the gym. And then after we went to the gym, we went and bought drinks. And after we bought drinks, we came home, Ethan grilled. It was like a really good time. So I like to just be home. Plus, if you have little, little kids like I do that still nap and I'll have a baby, it is a lot easier to manage nap time. And then during naps and bedtime, you can break to hang out with friends or family. Um, or if they fall asleep, you can, you know, you can just take them right upstairs to their room. Now, I'm not saying don't travel on the 4th of July if it's tradition or if it's what you like to do. I believe me, I'm sure there's plenty of smart ways to do it. Um, but it's just a no-go for me. The other tip I wanted to say as we approach spring slash summertime is to sign your kids up for swim lessons right now before that fills up. I'll actually be doing that this weekend because Mia and Elliot need to go ahead and have swim lessons. If you have pro tip, and this is something I'm looking into, I'll let you know how it goes. If you have a family member that has a pool, friend or family member that has an actual pool, you could pay someone to privately teach your child how to swim, and it could potentially be cheaper than swim lessons. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with the convenience of swim lessons. We have a Y membership, and so we're just going to go to the Y. We're going to sign up for um, swim lessons at the Y because that's like our whole life is at the Y. So we're going to do that. But my aunt has a pool, and I might look into some private lessons as well. And the other thing I wanted to say about swimming is I saw a post that I never thought about but is important is when you are shopping for bathing suits. And I'm going to give you a quick story. When you are shopping for bathing suits, pick bright, bright, bright colors for your kids. Bright, bright, bright colors for your kids. There's lots of tips I could give you about swimsuits, like which ones are great, which ones aren't great, like which one's great for like like a uh, sunblock. I can't talk, but pick bright colors. Don't go with blues or dark blues or greens because those can kind of um, blend into the water. Like the brighter colors that are going to make your child stand out in the water, I think is a really good tip. Just for those emergencies. Um, a couple years ago, I was actually pregnant with Elliot. I went to the lake with some friends, and you guys might remember this episode if you're a longtime listener. And while we were at the lake, um, they did have lifeguards. 
So like some lakes, some beaches have lifeguards, but you have to think about how many people are in the water. And if you don't know how to draw attention to yourself, if you're in a dangerous situation, it can be hard for a lifeguard to see you. Um, I don't want to scare you, but um, there was an announcement over the intercom system while we were there that everyone had to come out of the water and we had to line up on the shore and we basically had to like slowly scan the water. We were looking for a little kid and I had Mia in my arms like crying, me and this other mom friend of ours, she was pregnant too. We were both like kind of crying and praying like, oh my gosh, I hope this kid is okay. Turns out the kid wasn't even in the water, but it was a scary scenario just realizing like how quickly something can go bad in the water. Like water safety is really important. Um, just always watch your child in the water, in the bathtub. Um, dry drowning is a thing. And we're going to move off of this subject because we'll talk probably like a little bit more about summer safety tips in a different episode. But I did just want to remind you that also don't forget to buy sunscreen if you don't have sunscreen. Um, we had sunscreen from last summer, but as we were getting ready to go to Disney, I had to buy new sunscreen. Um, check the expiration date on your sunscreen and you really should be wearing sunscreen every day. I know that I'm guilty of not like applying sunscreen to my kids every day in the winter because it's winter, but you really should be wearing some SPF every day. And if you don't have any sunscreen one day, very soon, it's going to be very warm outside and your kid's going to burn. In fact, um, it was like 75 degrees the other day and Mia went outside and her face burned. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to really make sure the sunscreen's in the diaper bag. And so those are just my reminders as we head into March, um, as we are in March. And, you know, spring, summer is on our minds just don't forget to do all the early stuff early, um, like I like to do. Memorial Day weekend's a great time to shop. What is the holiday before Memorial Day weekend? I don't think there's one. I don't think there's any more holidays until Memorial Day weekend. Don't forget Old Navy does still do dollar flip-flops if you um, need some flip-flops. So just be on the lookout at Old Navy. In fact, Old Navy is one of my favorite places to shop for kids stuff. Um, really cute, especially like boy stuff, girl stuff you can get anywhere. And I'm like, I'm picky about my kid's style. But anyway, those were just some tips. Yes, it is summertime. And also just all of the sales are about to go off for buying furniture. I know that my mom texted me and was like, Ashley Furniture's home store has sales right now on patio sets. Um, Easter, there'll definitely be sales. Memorial weekend, there'll definitely be sales. I do feel like now is a good time to be buying patio furniture. Um, some people think it's a little premature. I don't think it's premature. I mean, it, so living in Maryland in March, it's still cold right now. There's not a whole lot of hanging out outside, but like all of the cheaper chairs that you can get for the backyard, you know, like how you might just want like some extra chairs in case you end up having a big group over like those are on sale right now at Target um I just say get them while it's hot I will never forget that when it was 2020 because I had Mia and it was the pandemic and I was pregnant with Elliot that there was 
certain little furniture things I wanted, specifically this one specific kiddie pool from Target. And I waited and I waited and it seemed like there was nowhere to find kiddie pools. And I guess because it was a pandemic, everyone was just in their backyards. But I was like, I will never again sleep on a product that I'm going to be mad if I don't get it. And so... Yeah, I'll be buying a couple of these chairs from Target. I already do kind of have a patio set up in the backyard. It's not like, I mean, like it's good. I'm going to put up the gazebo, like I said. But um, yeah, just be on the lookout. Make your list now. Um, definitely start spring cleaning now. That's what we're doing. Um tomorrow well over the next couple of weeks really is like spring cleaning and then in april it'll be like one last good like scrub so like through between now and my birthday because i don't i feel like it just has to be done by my birthday um it is like baby prep like get the house pretty get all the things organized go get the items that i want to get like everything that i need Oh, sorry, need and want um, before the baby comes. So like doing all the major house projects, um, like taking clothes to the Goodwill and the pregnancy center, like cleaning out the cabinets, like cleaning out the bathroom drawers, like things I haven't done in two years. I mean, like I've cleaned out the cabinets, but I haven't like thrown away cups, right? Like when you have little people, you just have random cups. So it's like I didn't throw away cups that like I threw lids away too. And like they were using those little munchkin cups for a long time. But now both my kids have, they're like beyond that stage. So don't really need those. And plus they kind of get gross fast. Just a reminder, check your kids cups always for mold. Especially if you use like a cup that has a straw. Um, If you use those little munchkin cups that are like circles um, that are spill proof, check the, like, I don't know what to call it, like the lining or around them, those can get moldy. So it's just like cleaning everything out, like washing shoes, like cleaning out the closet. Um, seeing my, luckily my kids fit and it's still March. So it's like by the middle of the summer, some clothes might be small, but like for the most part, they still fit their summer and spring clothes my kids kind of need they don't need summer clothes at all like they both have pretty good summer wardrobes but they need like spring like in between clothes like they need some more like Mia needs more leggings some more pants um that like she's just kind of worn out her pants so it's like she needs some more of those Elliot is like in a weird place because he fits 2T best, but I bought a bunch of 3T pants, so I don't want to buy any more 2T pants, but he, there's 3T's too big, and I just thought he would have grown into them by now. Anyway, um, and, oh, so I did order my postpartum outfits and stuff, like, for the hospital, and ironically, I've said this before, but it's just like on my mind. I can't decide about bringing my own hospital gown. I think I will just because this is going to be my last pregnancy. Um, with all of the, compl not even like complications. There's no complications really. Just like 
it's a lot to be a pregnant human in America, um, or any country, but I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. Like I've worn the hospital gown before. It's not like a big deal, but then it's like, I could wear something that's a little cuter and fits a little bit better. And I'm just going to take it off. And I can't remember like when I got to my hospital room, when I changed clothes, I think pretty much Like, I mean, once you get to the mother-baby suite, like, once you are out of, like, labor and delivery and you go to the mom room, which is, like, a lot smaller, I feel like I change almost immediately, but I don't always shower immediately, which sounds gross. I feel like I almost always shower the next day after. Like, I don't even shower that day. Like, I'm just gross until the next day. But I also can't fully remember if that's true or not I guess it also depends on what time of day the baby is born because that depends on like what what am I getting to my room like I don't change before or shower before I get to the mother baby unit and then I feel like I wear the same pajamas or like pajama set until it's time to leave and then I change and then I come home and shower like in my shower and I always wear shower shoes at the hospital because you just don't know. Um, yeah, but anyway, so I got my outfits. I'm getting ready to do our hospital bags. I'm going to wait a couple more weeks. Um, probably the weekend after my birthday, I'll do the hospital bags. Um, just cause like I tend to do it really early and then I, unpack and repack it 95 times I'm the same way when I go on vacation like I pack and repack a suitcase 95 times um but the week after my birthday will be about four weeks out and so it makes sense because it's like baby could come in two weeks baby could come in four weeks baby could come next week to have the hospital bag ready uh and I also just feel like with this being my third pregnancy I feel like I know what to grab, like, whatever, like, it's, like, the necessity, like, the main, main things that I need in the hospital are the most important, the baby's outfit coming home is the most important, like, the car seat being installed is the most important, what's more important than my hospital bag for me is Mia and Elliot's overnight bags for my mom's house, so... I'm actually like way more into what they're going to have and what they're going to, what's going to be in their little suitcases than I am interested in what's going to be in my bag, but I'll be posting about both. Anyway, I'm clearly exhausted going to bed. I have so much more to catch up with you guys, but I'll just do it on next episode. Um, stay safe, be well. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Christian Mom Uncensored. Um, don't forget to follow me. You can follow me on TikTok. I forgot what my handle is, but if you follow my Instagram, you'll find my TikTok. Also, don't forget to leave a rating, review, and share the podcast with your friends. I know it's been in a weird place lately because I'm just like, I don't know, pregnant and and trying my best out here. But I love you all. I love you all. I love you all. Thank you always for listening. Praying for you. God bless. No stress. Talk to you next week.